Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we're eager students. We come to you, Lord, now and ask you to open our hearts, to teach us, Lord. Show us wondrous things out of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. 39, verse 1. Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, or executioner, an Egyptian bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord had made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of his house, And all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught or anything he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. Okay, now, in our last study, you remember that we looked at verse 2 where we read these words about Joseph there where it says the Lord was with Joseph and we saw what it meant for the Lord to be with anybody in his life. But the impact for what this really means come when we read really the whole of the verse 1 and verse 2 together. And when you read it there in its context, it's really dramatic when it starts off and it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the garden of Egyptian, which bought him. So here we have these words. He was brought down there against his will. He was bought as a slave, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And then it says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And then it says, and he was in the house of the Egyptian, of his master, the Egyptian. I mean, when you read verse 1, this is one gigantic, oh, no, verse. I mean, verse, oh, verse 1 starts off, oh, no, Joseph's brought down to Egypt. Oh, no, he's taken deep into a God-rejecting country where there's no other believers. And then in verse 1, it goes on, to, oh, no, of all the people, Potiphar, an executioner, the chief executioner, the head of his secret service of Pharaoh, he buys them. Oh, no, of all the people who who would buy Joseph, this is the worst, an executioner for Pharaoh. I mean, what does he want to do, practice his execution skills on a Hebrew? I mean, this looks bad. So verse 1, 
looks very, very dim for Joseph. It looks as though it couldn't get any worse for Joseph. And that's why this is real oh no period in his life when it appears that everything is just going from bad to worse. Anybody here ever experienced anything like that? <laughs> Everybody out here, just me, uh, just have these oh no periods in our lives when it just seems like everything's going from bad to worse? I mean, that's the way it was for Joseph. I mean, Joseph went through this verse one, and the question is, how is Joseph going to react to this oh no situation in his life? And we go through these periods of you know, these oh no problems in life, and the question is, how are we going to react? That's the great value in this chapter, because by studying what Joseph went through and how he went through it, that's the big important thing here. How did he go through this? It's going to teach us how we should go through these kind of things when they happen. So the first statement that we have after this, oh no, situation in verse one is verse two, and the Lord is with Joseph. I mean, this is like really bad on one hand, what's happening to Joseph, and now the counterbalance or the compensation, if you want to call it that, the compensation is the Lord was with Joseph. When Joseph looked at all these terrible situations and asked, what's my compensation to be able to deal with this, to be able to stand up to the situation? The great compensation was the presence of the Lord. And as we said, this statement, and the Lord was with Joseph, is actually the statement that characterizes his life. This is the phrase that characterizes Joseph. But what's important for us to see is that this singular great compensation in his life and our lives, it's the same thing that's promised to us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, when it speaks about not having covetousness, but be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So the promise of the Lord's presence is the great compensation promise because no matter what challenges we have in our lives, that's what enables us to go through these challenges. And this is the great compensation promise that Joseph's father, Jacob, received from the Lord when he was there, when he had the experience of seeing the ladder to heaven in Genesis 28, 15, Genesis 28, 15, where God said to him, behold, I am with thee. And will keep thee in all the places where thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. It's a great compensation that Jacob had when Moses was going to die. Just can't really imagine what that was like for the Jewish people. They only knew one deliverer, Moses. He was everything. Everything was Moses. Moses, 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 Moses defied Pharaoh in Egypt. Moses broke the back of Pharaoh in Egypt through God. But it was Moses who was standing there and and waves his rod and lice come and blood starts. And I mean, everything is happening. Seas part, everything. And so here's their great deliverer, Moses, about to die. They watch him getting older and older. And everybody's wondering, is he going to die? When's he going to die? And now he's going to die. And so the great compensation promise that he gives to Israel in Deuteronomy 31.6, Deuteronomy 31.6 says, he says, be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them, their enemies. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And at that time, 
No one was more afraid of Moses dying than Joshua. <laughs> it was the one who was going to take over Moses' place. I mean, you know, Joshua, you are now going to be the leader of Israel. And he is afraid, wondering, how in the world do you fill the shoes of Moses? I mean, Moses turns to Joshua, and he gives to Joshua the same great compensation promise in the same chapter there. And next verse, as a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy 31.7, Deuteronomy 31.7, And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them. Thou shalt cause them to inherit it. The Lord, he it is, doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Now, and when Moses did die, and Moses did die, and then Joshua is like, oh no, my worst fears have happened here. And he's looking at all this people which weren't exactly the easiest people to lead. (laughs) And this land, you know, which has got, well, as they've said, opponents that look like giants and made them look like grasshoppers. And he's afraid. And then God steps in directly to Joshua and gives him the same great compensation promise in Joshua 1. Joshua 1, first verse, Joshua 1, 1. And it says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, so here's God speaking directly now to Joshua, and he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. (laughs) That's great news. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I've given you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, And then he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. See, it's a continuing, it's the singular great compensation. And when Solomon, he looks at his father, David, just like Joshua was looking at Moses, who's dying. And so now Solomon is looking at his father, King David, who's dying. King David is dying. And Solomon is watching him, hand to him, this great responsibility, build the temple of God in Jerusalem. And Solomon's wondering, how in the world am I going to be able to fill the shoes of my father, David, the great king of Israel, and do what my father was not able to do, was was prevented by God from doing, build the temple of God. So David sees this fear, and he turns to his son, and he gives him the same great compensation promise in First Chronicles 28.20, 1 Chronicles 28.20, 20, 20, and David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage, do it, fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And then 
When the Jewish people, the Israel, they see themselves as gathered from all the ends of the world into the land of Israel, which has happened, will happen, is happening and will happen, and all the Jews, and they look at all the nations that are against them, and some of them are actually within them, you know, like recently, yesterday, the truck from the Palestinian that plowed into those Israelis. Did you read about that? Four young people killed. Anyway, and yet God, and they understand that God has called them to be the, his servants to go to the world, to go to the world. And then so they say, what's our compensation? He gives it to them, same thing in Isaiah 41, Isaiah 41, 8. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, thou art my servant. I've chosen thee and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of thy righteousness. Now, the amazing part when it says in verse 2 there that the Lord was with Joseph is the rest of the verse. When it says, and the Lord was with Joseph, he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. The Lord was with Joseph, and he's in the house of his master, the Egyptian. It was really easy for Joseph to praise the Lord and be joyful when he was in the house of his father, who valued him as the most favored son and made him the coat of many colors. But Here's the real test for Joseph to see, is he going to be just as joyful? Is he going to be just as praising the Lord when he's a slave in the house of his master, the Egyptian? I mean, it's really easy for us to praise the Lord and be joyful when everything's going our way. But how about when it all turns sour, as it is for Joseph? I mean, that reminds me of Maytens Kornoski. How many remember Maytens Kornoski? One... One <laughs> and one. <laughs> That's all. And Gene remembers Maytens Kornoski. Right, Gene? Okay. So we have confirmation. So two, three. All right, anyway. I mean, she's now in heaven. So you can't know her until you get to heaven. But she used to come here to the chapel. And Maytens always had a smile on her face. You remember that? She was smiling. She was always praising the Lord. Nothing could stop her from praising the Lord. Well, one day, Maytense was driving her small car on Highway 805 over the bridge, you know, that spanned over, that spans over Mission Valley, you know. And, and, and her car on the bridge was hit by a large truck. And the car was mangled. And Maytense was trapped inside the car. Do you remember that? Yeah, they was trapped inside the car, and they couldn't get her out. You know, and the TV stations arrived on the scene, and they started to film this live, and it's like you know, we're interrupting the stations, and and oh, this is a great drama. There's this accident. There's this lady. She's trapped in the car. The fire department comes. They get out the jaws of life to free May 10th from her car, and it took some time, and so there was a lot of drama going on, all of San Diego was watching, except for Irene, she wasn't watching, but everybody else was watching, <laughs> and, they were, and they were trying to free May 10th from her car, and finally, the door of her car is torn off, 
and it's on TV. And May Tense is able to emerge from her car, and it was really amazing because she really wasn't hurt. And the TV cameras focus on her as she comes out, and she has a smile on her face. And the first words that broadcast on the TV, she says, praise the Lord Jesus <laughs> for taking such good care of me. I mean, you know, everyone expected her to come out crying and shattered and, and, you know, oh, I almost died. I saw my life go in front. No, she just was rejoicing. That was May tense. You could not shake her outlook of praise and thanksgiving to God. That's Joseph's attitude. No matter where or when, Joseph was faithful with thanksgiving. Think about that. Faithful in his thanksgiving. Faithful in his thanksgiving to God. And with every new unexpected challenge in life, Joseph didn't display the attitude of, is it over yet? But he had the attitude instead of, what's next? What's next? That was great. That was an adventure. And so what's the next adventure? He couldn't wait. For Joseph, life was like being at Disneyland. Now, we read how Potiphar saw, he saw this. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now, that doesn't mean that Potiphar became a believer in God or feared God. He just saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that everything he did was prospering. It's important to consider this word saw in verse 3, because it doesn't say that he heard from Joseph that God was with him, but he saw with his own eyes that God was with Joseph. I mean, he didn't see any special visions. He didn't see any, see any particular miracles. But what he saw was that Joseph was faithful, he worked hard, and his work was blessed so that whatever he was doing was prospering. You know, this is like God saying, you know, I need a person that I can put on display. Oh, Joseph, I can put him on display for for Potiphar and all the Egyptians to see. It's as if God is anxious to find a person, you know, in Joseph that he can put on display. And this is what God said in 2 Chronicles 16.9, 2 Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the, throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. All right. And then he was speaking to a king, and he said, Here and thou hast done foolishly, therefore from thence, henceforth thou shalt have wars. That king he was talking to was Asa, who was the king of Judah. And what had happened is that Asa, instead of relying on God, turned and relied on Syria, and sent the king of Syria gold and silver to be his ally in battle. And this greatly disappointed God, as God was saying here, look, Asa, I was looking for someone to, that, that would rely on me to be his ally in war. And, and he expressed, God expressed this disappointment to Asa by telling him, you know, my eyes are almost like strained running back and forth over the whole earth looking for someone I can put on display who trusts God, that I can show myself strong in. In other words, God's eyes were running back and forth over the whole earth. He's looking for a person he can put on display. Well, in Joseph, God found his man that he could put on display, just like that. And so it's something to think of God looking at us. Think about that. God looking at us and asking himself the question, can I put him on display 
if I do, will he pass the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 test? The Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 test. Will he trust me with all his heart and lean not to his own understanding? Will he acknowledge me in all his ways? So the Lord gives a lot of thought to the decisions that we make. He actually, you know, he watches us and he gives a lot of thought to the decisions we make and to how we behave. And that's given to us in Proverbs 5.21, Proverbs 5.21. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. It says, our ways are before the the eyes of God, and he's thinking about it. I wonder why he decided that. (laughs) I wonder why he did that. Oh, well, that's not good. He's pondering all of our goings. Well, Potiphar saw this same thing in Joseph that Laban saw in Jacob, as we read that in Genesis 30, verse 27, Genesis 30, 27, where it says, and Laban said unto him, I pray thee if I have found favor in thine eyes, Terry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. See, Laban wasn't a believer in God. No, remember he had those gods that he had, false gods. And just like Potiphar was not a believer in God, but Laban learned from his own observation that he was blessed as long as Jacob was present with him and working. That reminds me of the 19 years when we made first response pregnancy test for Church and Dwight for company. And when they decided to fire us for making first response, we learned as they told us, there was not agreement within the company. There was a big disagreement in their company on the wisdom of firing antibodies from making first response. But they made their decision. When we made first response pregnancy test, it became the number one selling pregnancy test in the marketplace. But when they fired us, it fell significantly, and it has fallen significantly, from its first place position. Well, what Potiphar saw was this remarkable success, a success that just seemed to follow Joseph like a shadow. And so Potiphar was good to Joseph, and so God was good to Potiphar, because that was the way God said it's going to work. In Genesis 12, 2, Genesis 12, 2, when God promised Abraham, I'll make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, the success that God gave to Joseph in Potiphar's house, of course, that was good for Potiphar. It was also a great encouragement to Joseph because Joseph, it was like compensation for Joseph because Joseph, you know, this success compensated Joseph for his deep hurt over being abandoned by his brothers It compensated Joseph. It strengthened his faith as he realized that his ways were pleasing God. As Joseph could see Proverbs 16.7 playing out in his life. Proverbs 16.7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So the success that Joseph was having there compensated Joseph by lifting up his hope that a better day is coming, a new dawn is going to come, and he just had to be patient. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages 
can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.